It's the MMA Geeks C-Level Podcast with your hosts, Stan Dryav and Nick Bracha. Welcome to the MMA Geeks C-Level Podcast. This is your host, Stan Dryav, and my co-host, the lack of UFC promotion to my UFC 284, Nick John Braccia the third. It is good to be on with you, brother. We got a pay-per-view coming up. We're breaking this thing down, man. Yeah, it's got we got a we got a month of uh, of really interesting fights coming up. I mean, this is awesome. Even though the UFC hasn't promoted it well, I can't you know of the. I hate the term super fights because everyone, people were, were using that term who did not, <laughs> they were like, I want super fights. It's like, I don't know that you understand what a super fight is. <laughs> this is a, this, this is a super fight. Um, and it's enormous. It's just, you're talking about two guys that got all kind of, they got long ass last names with all kinds of K's in them. You're not, you know, neither, neither one, uh, is American. Neither one is a huge star. One of the USC's huge stars. They're just, they just seem like really cool guys and incredible fighters. So like, it's a big deal, even though it doesn't feel like a big deal. I can't, I can't think of the last, I mean, this is bigger than Cejudo TJ. This is bigger than, well, you know, at the time GSP pen two felt like a big deal because of, the closeness of their first fight, the controversy around the split decision. Um, and we didn't know what was going to happen when GSP got back in there. Of course, GSP completely pasted them and and uh, BJ quit on the stool. But my point is that fights of this caliber across division are few and far between, really. Um, I mean, can you think of yeah, I guess Cormier Stipe was a pretty good. Yeah, there there are a few of these two division champs. I think there's, if I'm not mistaken, four two division champions. Obviously, any Conor McGregor fight. Conor McGregor, Amanda came up to fight yeah. for that 55 pound title. Nunez is another GS, one. GSP, um, Cormier, Nunez, McGregor. Is there anyone else? That's right. Um, Couture. I don't, uh, Couture. Couture. Yes. Yes. So that so I believe that totals to five. Um, whereas Volkanovski has the opportunity to be the sixth one. It's interesting because, um, you know, these two guys basically going into this, uh, Volkanovski's on a 12-fight win streak. Makhachev is on an 11-fight win streak. Volkanovski, 25-1. and one. I mean, that, that record is unfair considering his level of competition. And that loss was, the I think, loss was in like a second or, or third fight. Yeah, yeah he got knocked again, out. against but a it... much, much larger man. And then it was against a guy who's man. fought Dricu Duplessis. <laughs> Interesting. He was he lost to a guy. guy he lost to a guy who is big enough to fight Duplessis. And for the record, Volkanovski was three and zero at the time. This guy was twelve and four. And you're right, Drake is Duplessis, who competes at 185 pounds. That is that is some fascinating stuff. And to be honest with you, this guy's largely a successful fighter. The guy that does have that one win over Volkanovski. Um, and then if we look, and, and this is like a weird exercise we're doing here, if we look at the one guy who beat Islam Makhachev, a UFC-level fighter to his credit, right? He's not a guy that never made it to the UFC, at least. Um, but this was Adriano Martins, I believe a Jose Aldo training partner from back in the day. And that man is currently, and he's still competing up until uh, July of 2021, 
currently on a five-fight losing streak. But outside of that, man, like overall pretty solid record. The guy's got a bunch of wins, um, obviously a hard hitter. And his last win happens to be the Islam Makhachev fight, which is absolutely hysterical, man. How is it possible that this man has not been able to pick up a win since then? Um, in any case, Nikolai, we are going to get into this card, man. This is, look, is it a spectacular card? No, there's a bunch of, you know, local fighters that are on this card. And I think that was valued over actually bringing in some names. And, you know, the, there's some decent, like, like I would say that anything outside the main event and the co-main event, everything else could have been like a really good fight night card that would not be charged for. But the main and the co-main event are really good fights. Islam Makhachev versus, versus Volkanovsky. We've got the number one pound for pound fighter in the world. Versus a guy that a lot of people think will eventually inherit that moniker if he can win this fight, of course. But in my opinion, I, I think it might take a little bit more than this fight to inherit that moniker because Volkanovski is the much smaller man if, if Makhachev is to get the win here. Um, and then Makhachev has already talked about the fact that if he does win this fight, um, arguably will have that pound-for-pound pound moniker, at least according to most. And then he's going to go up to 170, whether it be Kamaru Usman or Leon Edwards, he is planning on on trying to take that title. And let's look at it this way, Nick. Does he have a good shot against uh, Israel Adesanya? If he can win this fight, yeah, he, he's he got a shot, man. Does he have a shot against Alex Pereira? Yeah, he does. Like, this dude has the potential. It's not inconceivable that if he picks up this one, which I think might be the hardest um well, maybe not. The, again, the, the the size difference makes it tricky, but it might be the hardest of any of those matchups that I just talked about, given the st- the stylistic situation here. If he can get this win, man, he could end up being truly the pound-for-pound pound great. Could end up being a three-division champ. It's not impossible, and it seems like he's reaching for the stars, at least, when it comes to his career at this point. Yeah, it's just those, you know, 170 is just loaded right now, so it's hard. Like, that's why I'm blown away by the notion of, you know, Chandler and Connor, Bisping and other people are talking about with that fight. Don't be surprised if Con- and they're fighting at 170. Don't be surprised if Connor wins and gets a title shot at one. Yeah, you know, would, would Usman or, or Edwards not welcome that with open arms? Would the UFC not want to but set yeah, that up? They would. Well, yeah, but look at the guys in the queue at 155 and 170 who I think would just wreck Connor. Um,. You know, does he have a well, shot there's against? No, there's fit? no doubt about that, but but we all know it's not purely a meritocracy, right? Like, don't get me wrong, no, well, Chandler's I, not getting a title shot with a win here over Connor, but Connor probably uh, probably is if he wants it. The question is, does he want it? Or yeah, would he I know that a more winnable matchup. I just wait. Listen, the, they try to have, the UFC as an organization tries to have it both ways, and and some of the fighters certainly welcome this. They. If there is a fighter like Dustin Poirier who wants to be a prize fighter and have a prize fighter narrative and is into just like big fights and paydays and draws, that's okay. There's room for that in the sport. But be clear about it like Poirier has. He's like, I'm not, he's like, yeah, he doesn't seem like you want, you know, the, the notion of going after the gold is not his story. And I think, and I think he's right. He got, you know, he's gotten beat. Um, and I think the same thing would happen to Connor. It's okay to be a Nate Diaz, you know. It's just, but when they they conf- those things can be mutually exclusive. When they try to conflate it, I think it, it gets weird. Well, I do think, for the record, that Connor McGregor is in a position where he's going to talk about vying for the title, no matter how many losses he accrues. He's probably still going to talk about vying for the title, and honestly, no matter how many losses, almost um, he probably will get the title shot with a win in most situations as long as he's fighting a name because he's going to bring in some serious pay-per-view buys. The champion is going to be open to that. Obviously, the UFC is going to want to make that money on a title fight 
But uh, I think Connor's going to continue to say that he's in for the title. I think if a lot, uh, some of that mystique, some of that edge would be removed from him a little bit if he's now talking about just kind of having fun fights. Um, I, I don't know that he's going to generate the same level of intrigue. I don't think Connor's good enough to have a title shot. I don't think I don't think beating Michael Chandler is a is a path to a title shot. I think there's if you're at 155 or 170, there's one or two other guys you need to you need to beat to show that you belong be, that you belong in there with the champion. Yeah, but that, that's that, that, and I agree with you. It should work that way. It just doesn't work that way, and that's why Mahashev, like despite how stacked 170 might be, despite how many guys there might be in line for that title, if Usman or Edwards is open to that matchup, which by the way they might not be, and I don't blame them. If they're open to that matchup, if if he does pick up a win here, obviously, if he doesn't, then it's not even a conversation. Then, uh, th- then, then, why not make it right? It's a it's a title versus title. UFC likes to put that at the top of a pay per view, um, and certainly Islam Makhachev is going to want to accomplish as much as he possibly can. I, I think like part of his goal. I'm okay with be, I'm okay with that as long as yeah. he doesn't hold up 150. As long as you know, I don't want him to hold up 155, and he needs to do what Volkanovski's doing now. Which well, is what he's saying he's going to do, yeah, that, that he's planning on going back and forth. Oh, you're saying that he gave, he allowed that interim title to be on the line. Yeah, that's fair. Oh, that's if you, I mean, I mean, the problem with defending both is, you know, injury, injuries and timing. Like, it's, we just haven't seen it work particularly well. Yeah, yeah, I don't disagree with you. So, Nick, let's dive into this card. I have the first pick this week. And, uh, and I'm going to be honest with you, Nick, so far in the competition, I'm doing fairly well. Uh, I am at 13 points. You're at seven and a half points. Um, I, I picked up four points in the last event, uh, mostly because of that three-pointer that I that I got on uh, on uh, Adam Fugit over Yusaka Kinoshita. I just felt like the experience disparity uh, is going to be such a huge factor. The fact that Fugit was 34 years old to uh, Kinoshita's 22, uh, it all worked out, man. Adam Fugit just put it on him. L- looked in the best shape of his life. So at this point, I'm a few points ahead, but. This also shows you that, like in a couple of events, like like five or six point lead uh, is not impossible, and uh, it's my pick first this week. The way the competition works is we each take turns picking fighters on the upcoming card. We break down the fights. You get one point for a successful uh, pick. You get two points for a successful pick of an underdog of plus one fifty or above. You get three points if you successfully pick an underdog of plus two fifty or above, which worked out with me with Adam Forget last time. I think my first pick is going to be in the Zubaria Tahugov elvis Brenner matchup. Elvis Brenner took this fight on one-month notice. He's a shooter-box Diego Lima guy, mostly a submission fighter. And Tahugov, as long as he's well-prepared, I assume he's been in the camp with Islam Makhachev. He's a Khabib protege, eight UFC fights in 10 years, right? Not the most active guy in the world. He's athletic and pretty good everywhere, but doesn't seem mentally in tune enough um, with occasional cardio issues when he's fighting like some of the better guys. He makes MMA fight IQ sometimes, even though he has the skill to win some of these matchups that he's losing. I don't think he's in danger in this one, even if he starts to tire a little bit toward the end of this fight. Um, Brenner took this fight on short notice. He's way less experienced. He's way less dynamic overall, and he doesn't have much of a stand-up game or a wrestling game to really uh, to really put this in the, in the situation where he's going to have success. Uh, I think uh, Brenner's fragility and Tuhugov's experience makes this a confident pick for me. I'm trying to best fight odds doesn't even wait it doesn't have that bout it's it's a, a minus one forty two Hugov as a favorite I'm sorry minus five forty favorite he's a he's a pretty big favorite and you're taking uh to uh to yes do you agree with the pick I do I'd be a fool not to um 
I'm gonna. I'm surprised you took that because I'm gonna take your uh, what I thought was gonna be your first pick. Um, you know, Randy Brown is somehow on a. He's on a five fight winning streak uh, since getting put down by Vincente Luque. But I, we've seen him. We've seen Randy Brown get hurt uh, quite a few times. And Jack Della Mad- uh, Madalena's per- hands, may- he may have the most precise set of hands in the UFC. Like, he just finds people and pay- and uh, just touches them up. And Brown, you know, it doesn't seem like he's got the best, he's got the best chin in the world. Um, this seems like a prospect test, like gatekeeper type fight. I expect... Uh, I expect Madalena to to put him out in the first round. There's an entirely a good chance that that could happen, but the reason I was less confident in this one than the Tuhugov matchup is that Brown is much better than Tuhugov's opponent. Uh, Jack Dale is a talented guy. He's getting guys out of there in the first round, right? Like, we haven't really seen him fight through tough moments. We haven't seen his cardio, right? Like, he might have those things intact, but we don't truly know. And so it was hard for me to be that confident against the guy and Randy Brown who legitimately is extremely experienced. He's very crafty at this point. His MMA IQ versus what it used to be is through the roof now. So as much as I agree that Jack Della is the pick here, I was notably less confident, I would say, than you, uh, if you consider this the most confident pick, just because Randy Brown, between his size, um, and you're right that he's lost several fights by knockout, right, to Vincente Luque, to Nico Price. He's shown some fragility throughout his career, but Chaos Williams, he just fought through a split decision with him and got the win. Chaos Williams, uh, not as accurate, not as as um, not as effective with those body shots, but still pretty, pretty freaking hard hitter. So uh, I think Jack Della is untested to be this huge of a favorite in this matchup, but I do agree with you on the pick, just less confidently. My next pick is going to be in the matchup between two people that you've probably never heard of prior to, the, to seeing this card, Nick, Jack Jenkins and Don Shanus. Jenkins has a decent amount of five-round experience. He's got a regional title, really good boxing, solid wrestling, and uh, won via ground-and-pound finish on Contender Series, I think in the first round, whereas Sheamus is a two-division regional champ. So, like, decent props on his side as well. Lost his UFC debut to Sadiq Yusuf by quick guillotine. He took the fight on short notice. Um, Look, I think part of the reason for this line being as lopsided it is is because Sheamus got kind of thrown, you know, got out of there in like 30 seconds, almost immediately in his UFC debut. But given the circumstances, it's not the worst thing. I just feel like Jack Jenkins, five-round experience, you know he has the cardio. He's got really good boxing, really good wrestling. And I'm not sure that Sheamus can can uh, compete with him standing, nor can he take him down as kind of a backup. Uh, there's, there's a decent chance that Jenkins can get top position and do some damage from there as well. So I got Jack Jenkins here. And I know there's always a risk picking a UFC debuting fighter this early, but I'm doing it. Cool. There's not a lot of you. Uh, uh, you agreeing or disagreeing with the spec? Uh, no, I'm agreeing. I'm agreeing with Jenkins. I'm just looking and trying to figure out. Like it all just gets pretty. There's no yeah. There's no op, there's no obvious picks uh, going forward, and I'm always very. I'm not a big fan of taking the hometown guy. Um, I hear that on these events. Although on Brazilian um, events, you are. I don't blame. Yeah. You right. Them. I'm going to go, you're going to laugh at me here. Um, oh, sure, I'm going to do it. I'm going to pick the heavyweight fight. 
because I think I think people are sleeping on Parker Porter here. He's an underdog. He's not the hometown guy, but like I have not been impressed with Justin Taffa. And Parker Porter, I continue to doubt him, and largely, you know, he impresses me against that upper echelon of of uh, of like super athletic heavyweight. Um, Porter's going to be in some trouble, but like. I he's fought guys with big with with Tafa's power before. Um, I think Parker Porter with his I think with his pace and his durability is a is a problem for guys outside for heavyweights outside the top ten or outside yeah, I, the top fifteen. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you on the pick. It's just weird because with Justin Tafa, he sometimes comes in there with like a really impressive performance, and sometimes he looks like absolute shit so it's hard to really trust him to to be consistent and reliable and there uh that carlos philippe decision could have arguably gone his way in which case he's got a pretty decent ufc record but i tend to agree with you i think parker Parker porter as long as he makes it through the first round he's going to be okay he's he's got so much experience fought john jones ages ago and this is a guy that i've often picked as a decent sized underdog in a couple of his ufc fights uh with success i made some money on this dude as well and and um in bouts against uh um, Josh Parisian, he was a huge underdog, and I was like, "This is ridiculous." Josh Parisian is a mediocre human fighter, uh, it, it, you know, at the UFC level, and, and it worked out that way. So I tend to agree with you. It's just again hard to be confident in a heavyweight fight this early in the process, but you tend to have success with with some of these matchups. So I, I don't blame you. My next pick is going to be in the matchup between Jamie Malarkey and Francisco Prado. They've got kind of similar skills. Malarkey's just a grinder. He's tough as nails. He just never, never, never mentally gives up no matter what happens. Even though he can be shut off occasionally with a serious power puncher, that's not Francisco Prado, especially on short notice. Um, I, I think there'll be, it'll be a somewhat competitive start, and Jamie Malarkey will just start to run away with it toward the end of that first round, early second round. Um, again, similar styles, just Jamie Malarkey's a much more advanced, much more experienced version. I love Jamie Malarkey. I like him a lot. Um, is he coming off a couple losses, or did uh, he? Let me let me quickly look at his record. I, I feel no, like no. He won. Off a win. He got that split decision to Michael Johnson, but it was very. Yeah, I really thought I thought it should have gone to Johnson, Same and he got here. knocked out by Jalen Turner before that, and what was like one Which of the best be Jalen Turner. Really. No, one of the it was yeah. a really amazing Jalen. It was Jalen Turner's coming out party in a way. I agree, and, and um, I will say, even though he got that split decision over Michael Johnson, he probably shouldn't have. That Ferez-Ziam matchup probably should have gone his way, so it almost kind of evens out. His UFC record should be about 3-3, three and three, even though, man, he's a, he's a better fighter than to have a 3-3 three and three UFC record. Kind of worries me about this pick now that I look at it, but again... Well, they keep put, I mean, they, they put him in with some beasts. Yeah, they really did, you're right. All What's right. your next pick, buddy? My next pick... Yeah, why not? I'm going to pick Islam Makachev to uh, maintain, uh, retain rather, his 155 title and defeat Alexander Volkanovsky. Tell me about I it. Think it's gonna, I think it's going to be super exciting. I, th- I don't think it's going to be very easy to get Volkanovsky down, um, but I think, it, I think it will happen. I just, as good as, as, good as Volkanovsky is... Some of those moments on the ground with Ortega, who's a little bit smaller than than Makachev is, um, you know, were were tough. Volkanovski's is by far the better boxer, but he doesn't have uh, one shot power, and I just I just can't imagine 
that Makachev is not going to be in a position and have the jiu-jitsu skills and grappling skills to win this fight and that like Volkanovski, Volkanovski's size will just he just will not be able um, he will not be able to overcome it when someone is te- a, a jiu-jitsu fighter is technical as Makachev gets you know gets around his neck I think we'll see Volk I think I don't think we'll see him tap. I think we'll see Volkanovski go to sleep like we almost saw him go to sleep against Ortega. Um, I just think that's the most likely outcome. Yeah. I might be wrong. We may find that Volkanovski pe- just like peppers and keeps, you know, that Makachev may not may not have an answer to the uh, insane precision striking and pressure. But, I mean, he's a, Makachev is a, is a super athlete himself. And to think that he's not trained, he hasn't been like thinking about exactly how he's going to take Volkanovski down, like nonstop for the last three months is, you know, it's all, I'm sure it's all he's been thinking about and, and focusing on. And I just can't believe that he won't do it over five rounds. Yeah. I mean, it, it's again, we, we haven't seen Islam had to work through tough moments either, right? Like, which is a credit to his skill and a credit to his dominance. He's got some of the most impressive stats. I think maybe the most impressive stats in UFC history when it comes to strikes landed versus strikes received, which is incredibly impressive. Um, Volkanovski being as successful as he is, he's run through the absolute biggest names in this division, right? It's not even like, it's not even remotely comparable. In my opinion, the greatest um, featherweight of all time is Volkanovski. He beat the other two guys that would be in line for that conversation and he beat them decisively. We're looking at his dominant win over Max Holloway last time. The way that he dispatched uh, Jose Aldo, Chad Mendez, uh, on his way up, Jeremy Kennedy, who's a, who's a prospect. He's still a prospect. Darren Elkins. Um, he's, he's done some serious damage in this division. Obviously, Chan Sung Jung and Brian Ortega, the way that he dominated those guys. Um, but he hasn't fought anybody quite with this style, right? But with Mahachev, it's kind of similar, right? If you look at Mahachev's opponents, he hasn't really fought anybody that has little to no holes, which... You can argue that that uh, you can argue that Volkanovski has right when you look at his wins. Tiago Moises has been beat by several others. Drew Dober has been submitted by others. Dan Hooker has been beat a bunch of times. Bobby Green has been beat a bunch of times, although not as dominantly. To be fair, Charles Oliveira has been beat a bunch of times. Not this version of him. To be fair, but the stylistic matchup really favored him in that one. Right? These are opponents with a lot of holes. Who did he have his closest UFC fight with? That was Armand Saryukian in Armand Saryukian's UFC debut. Armand, who's not the biggest lightweight on the planet, although not a small guy, don't get me wrong, that guy has no chance of making 145, I don't think. Armand was extremely competitive with him for, for at least those first two rounds. Before that third round, Armand's cardio started to give out on him a little bit, and Islam started to establish control, but it was a scramble fest until then. Kim Volkanovski, can he do that? Yeah, I think he can. Makhachev has a bunch of tricks, um, and they're tricks that he uses again and again and again, and so Volkanovski's the type of fighter who game plans really well. I'm sure they've watched endless tape on him and I'm sure they figured out what his tricks are and how to avoid falling for them. Makhachev does this thing for example he did it to Charles Oliveira among other people where he's in the clinch with you in an over under he will throw a knee up knowing that you're going to knee him back almost immediately. The moment you raise that knee he's ready to trip you uh, and, and get you with that um, almost kind of wizard wizard throwing and I know the Ushigatari maybe is the judo name I could be wrong on that but he, he like times things in an amazing way where he does something to you knowing that you're going to do this thing back, and he knows exactly how to counter the thing that he just basically implored you to do. 
Um, I tend to think that Volkanovski is going to be on top of that, right? Makhachev obviously is a stronger man, obviously is a bigger man. His grappling skills unparalleled in the UFC as far as we can tell. But Volkanovski is focused on bulking to make up for that for that size and strength discrepancy. He's focused on his wrestling. Um, over throughout his career, but more importantly recently, he's had giant, large grapplers on top of him nonstop for the last three months. His footwork is fantastic. His speed is out of this world, especially compared to Mahachev. I think I'd be more confident picking Volkanovski if he had kind of that one-shot knockout power because that's the way that we've seen Mahachev lose before. Mahachev doesn't really get opportunistic submissions the way that Ortega does, though, right? I know Ortega caught... Uh, Volkanovski in a fight that Volkanovski was largely dominating. He caught him once or twice, and Volkanovski had to work his way out of it. But Mahachev doesn't get takedowns, uh, doesn't get submissions like that. He breaks you down. He takes you down. He puts his weight on you. He makes you carry the weight. He he makes you start to get tired. He makes you start to question yourself mentally. And once you start to do that, once you're looking for a way out, he gives you that way out by by sinking in that submission. Um, and Volkanovski hasn't shown the ability to like. It hasn't shown the propensity to look for a way out. He hasn't shown himself to be at all whatsoever a quitter. His mindset is not like that at all. But he does understand that he's a big underdog here. And, and I think he understands that it's for good reason. I think he understands this is the biggest challenge of his career. I'll be honest with you. If you look, gave me the opportunity to pick this fight, I would have taken Volkanovski for a couple of reasons. One, these odds are absolutely insane considering the level of success the Volkanovski has uh, achieved in the sport. Plus 310 on a guy who who has been basically untouchable throughout his career by anybody even close to this weight division. Um, so if I was picking this, I would have picked Volkanovski for three points. I would, I would have taken that rider on him for that reason and because he's my favorite fighter. Um, I think he's that fucking good. But again, the size discrepancy, I, I get all of that. So all's being the same. I got to edge Islam Makhachev. But um, if, if I was the one to make this pick, I would have taken Volkanovski for, for several reasons. Um, I think Volkanovski has a decent chance of either quickly getting back up or avoiding most of those takedowns if uh, if the, the scramble fest that Armand Saryukin got into with Makhachev was somewhat successful for Saryukin, at least at least avoiding being dominated. And he got takedowns in moments. He was able to reverse takedowns. He was able to, He kept going for takedowns himself, which I know Volkanovski probably won't do. Um uh, uh, you know, th- there's good reasons to pick bulk here as well, especially at these odds. But, um, um, you know, uh, good on you for, for making this pick first. Um, my next pick is going to be in the matchup between... I think I'm going to get... Uh, I'm going to pick Clayton Rodriguez to beat Shannon Ross. Rodriguez is a young Brazilian prospect who could use more experience. Should be one unknown the UFC, but lost a bad decision to CJ Vargara. Um, I just feel like Shannon Ross is not not nearly ready for this matchup, not nearly ready for this uh, for, for, for this level, and he's kind of being thrown to not truly the Wolves, but he's being thrown a really, really rough first matchup in the UFC, and I think Clayton Rodriguez is going to take advantage of it. What you got, Nikolai? Um, I agree with you on Rodriguez. Um, I... This is a... This is a hard one to pick, but I think I think I'm gonna go with the hometown fighter Jimmy Crute uh, to beat Alon- to beat Alonzo Menafield. Um, Menafield's on a bit of a on a he's, it's a weird one because he's on a two fight win streak. Crute's on a two fight losing streak, so he's got more pressure on him. But I I just think that the level of competition that um that Cruz lost to 
with the champion. He lost to the champion Jamal Hill, and he lost to you know uh, former uh, title contender Anthony Smith, and that was you know that was a leg injury. But he, Anthony Smith did do the work and earn that. Um, I just think you never know what Menafield is going to show up, and uh, I expect this to be competitive. But Menafield is so streaky. That like being in Australia, everyone going nuts, uh, everybody going nuts for Crute, and the fact that Crute's been just been in there with with better fighters. I also think he's got. Uh, I think his fundamentals are just tighter. I think he's. A, I think he throws. You know, I don't think he's got. He's gonna have the reach advantage. I'll have to look at that. Um, but he seems like he's he's sort of a crisper package all around. Um, He's been, you know, he can get touched, as we saw against um, against Hill, and I think we've also seen him get subbed. So we've seen him lose by injury, TKO, um, submission. That was the Sirkinov fight. Um, but in between that, he, you know, he beat up the alphabet soup of Modestus Bukakis and Mikhail uh, Olesheczuk. If I'll, I'll probably, you know, so he's got multiple ways to win, and I think he's. They're both kind of first round fighters, also, which is, which is tricky. But I'm gonna, I got a feeling about the about the hometown boy getting the win here. Yeah, I tend to agree with you on the pick. Uh, for the record, Crute is a little bit two inches taller, but has two inches less reach than Alonzo Manyfield. Alonzo is just like a like a short like shorter stockier bruiser, right? Has serious power. Pretty like powerful with his hips, so he's got pretty good takedown defense, but not the highest fight IQ, and he's starting to get the experience, I think, to kind of accrue some of that fight IQ and catch up in that regard. But there's also like a decent age discrepancy here, whereas Crute is 26 years old, uh, and really seen like I think even after those couple of losses to Anthony Smith and Jamal Hill, I think he's kind of seen as a prospect, whereas Alonzo Manfield is 35 years old. So there's a decent age gap here. Um Here's the thing. Losing to Jamal Hill by knockout is nothing to be ashamed of, especially in retrospect after Jamal Hill just picked up the title. And and I know Crude had that weird injury against Anthony Smith, but even on one leg, he was double-legging that guy, blasting through him with double-leg takedowns. Um, and and doing okay, even though he was getting out-jabbed, obviously. I feel like Crude, you're, you're right, he's more dynamic, standing. Can he get caught? Yes, Munnifield's a powerful man. Uh, but he's also got a really good ground game. And if he can uh, make it into the second round where Munnifield is not quite as fresh, not quite as... Um, not, not quite his gas tank, not quite as full. I think that Crute should be able to get takedowns and should be able to do well on the floor. He's a really, good, really good grappler, as we've seen. Uh, he's got a Kimura he's, submission he's subbed, over Paul. He's up Paul Craig, yeah, 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 man. That, that's impressive stuff. And and he's got a Kimura win over Michal Olianchik, who's a pretty damn good fighter. And Michal, he beat him in the first round, right? He didn't. Uh, he he didn't have to get through like Mahal's uh, first round. Mahal's usually at his best, then he starts to tire. He beat him on the first fucking round. Misha Serkinov, he traded submission attempts with him before he got caught in the uh, Peruvian necktie, and that loss doesn't look that great on his record, to be fair. But I tend to agree with you about Crude. I think uh, the hometown thing, crowd being on his side, the fact that he didn't have to travel very much is going to be in his favor. It's kind of amazing the three guys that Menafield has lost his last loss to could be the like three of the lowest fight like if fight IQ fighters in the UFC being Devin Clark, OSP and William Knight. That's a tr- that's yeah. a trio. That's a like trio closer. of guys. Yeah. Doesn't mean they're bad fighters, it just means that they get like you can't always understand what they're doing and why. <laughs> like Yeah, and and it's funny cuz they have a couple of common opponents, Paul Craig being one of them and they each have a win over Paul Craig in the first round. Uh they also both fought Misha Serkinov 
and Alonzo Manyfield uh, beat Serkinov, whereas uh, whereas Kroot lost to Serkinov, granted at different parts of Serkinov's career. Uh, but yeah, I, I tend to agree with you on on this pick. It's a close one on paper, but I think like the hometown edge, uh, the fact that Kroot's the much younger man, um, more dynamic as far as like his MMA game, he's got the ground game. I, I think he should have the edge. My next pick is going to be in the matchup between Tyson Pedro and Modestas Bukakis. Um, Tyson Pedro, like, I don't know what he has on Dana White in the UFC. I don't know why they keep serving him these matchups that on paper look very, very winnable. This one, obviously, thought, like he's facing You don't know the, the reason? Uh-huh. I, I believe that his dad is, isn't his dad like a legend or and like, like uh, Asian Pacific promoter in the region? Sure, but why would Dana White ta- and the gang care about that? I mean, I I don't know. They, there's, there's they could have all sorts of like f- like feeder league relationships, or it could just be that Tyson Pedro is a local, you know, it's a big deal yeah, locally. I don't know. Good looking dude. Does he's, he, he's a, he 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 does. He looks good getting off the truck, right? He's, he definitely got the look of a high level fighter. He's exciting as hell, win or lose. But then they served him Ike Villanueva and Harry Hunsucker. These are two guys who. I mean, to say, like, and, and I don't want to be mean. I, I, I highly doubt these two guys are, are listening to this podcast. But, like, they are bad fighters, man. One of them is winless in the UFC. One of them is one in five in the UFC. Right? Like, th- this is really low-level competition leading into this one. And to be fair, Bukakis is, uh, he is a... He is a a step above that, right? A record of thirteen and five. He's he's seen some success in the UFC. He's actually coming back. Um, well, I should say some success in the UFC. He's one and three in the UFC, and he's now coming back after two wins in Cage Warriors. And I believe he picked up the title in Cage Warriors in his last bout against the guy who's five and one. Right? The experience difference is kind of monumental here. So yeah, I, I like Tyson Pedro here. I don't know what he has in the UFC, but whatever it is, it's 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 I guess working out in his favor. Um, Bukakis is not even like that big of a light heavyweight. Yeah, he has some power, and he could maybe clip Tyson Pedro, but I don't like his chances of doing that in Austra- in uh, Perth, Australia. What you got next? Wait, did, you, did you say in Perth, Australia? This is in Perth, is it not? No shit. Is it in Perth? Oh, my gosh. I didn't know it was in Western. Yeah. I didn't realize it was in Western Australia. Perth is out there, man. You ever look on a map? Yeah, didn't you mention something about a hometown guy? Yeah, well, I, but I meant in terms of Australia. I thought it was on. I didn't realize this wasn't on the east see, of Austra- east coast of Australia. I see what you're saying. I see. I see. Per- you're Perth you're, is you're a, saying that's particularly far. Yeah. Well, it's still on the west coast. It's the far end of the world. Hang on, that was good. that that one's Scott. No, that one's Scottish. It was like if you got <laughs> if you want to go mix, but it's if you, yeah, good. it was wait, almost Liverpool. If you want to go if you want to go Australia, you got to make everything sound like question, like Stan. You think I'm ever oh, going to catch good. up? Catch up in the points, or am I going to be behind for the rest of my life? <laughs> You'll catch up. That's very I would funny. move. That's I, I would move there. I could never do it. Uh, and that's why I that look at the. Uh, I look at the insects, and they're really big. <laughs> uh, all right, <laughs> that's the best thing I've ever which, done on the show, probably. Um, it, it, that was pretty damn solid. Uh, what, what you got next, buddy? What is your uh, next? Uh, one? We I'm got, just gonna um, do. I'm just gonna do the rest of the show left like on that. The card. Please four do, fight. man. Please, I would be into that. All right, you got a four fights <laughs> left to pick. It's uh, all right. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with my head, not my heart here in the co-main event. I love Josh Emmett. I would love for Josh Emmett to win this fight. The fact of the matter is, Yaya Rodriguez is he's gotten much. I mean, he's gotten much better. I don't his 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 uh, wrestling wrestling defense is better. Um, I don't. We haven't seen 
you know, Emmett Emmett's fallen in love with the fists. I don't know if he's gonna if he's planning on using his wrestling that much. Also, over five rounds, that will tire him out. And <coughs> listen, in the pocket at boxing range, um, Rodriguez might be faster. I'm not sure, but I would pick Emmett to win that fight. The big differentiator here is Jair Rodriguez's legs. If he if he is able to maintain kicking range for enough of this fight, which I think he's going to be able to do. I I think he is going to calf kick and thigh kick and body kick the shit out of Josh Emmett. And what what we're what this will end up being is a fight where Emmett is behind and we're waiting to see if he lands the big shot. And he may. I just I just think that um the air that we saw against Max and that we've seen uh, since the Frankie Edgar loss has more, just has more wrinkles to his game. Josh Josh Emmett's path to victory is really, really singular. If we can agree, and maybe I'll find out if you agree or not. If we agree that he's he's not going to um, be able to wrestle his way to victory, you know, in top position, landing ground and pound on the air. If he doesn't do that, and this is a stand-up battle, I just think Rodriguez has the, the diversity of skills. I think that um, his footwork is good, and he will be able to... He, he's he's going to be smart enough that he's not going to bite down on the mouthpiece and stand you know six inches away from Emmett, um, even though that would be fun uh, for us to watch. So I'm going to go... I'm going to go with Yaya Rodriguez, who I believe is the favorite... He is a slight favorite, and I think this is this is rightly a close matchup when it comes to the odds. The reason for that is I agree with you. Like ideally, Rodriguez keeps this at kicking range. He's extremely fast, and if he can keep it there the entire time, he's going to do really well. He's going to do some serious damage. The problem is that he's pretty hittable, and we saw that in grad that it was Max Holloway, but we saw that against Max Holloway. Max Holloway doesn't clock you once and drop you completely unconscious. Josh Emmett is probably the hardest, the single hardest puncher in this division. And on top of that, he's really, really well conditioned. I know he's 37 years old at this point. And at this weight division at 145, it's not as bad being 37 as it is at 135 pounds or 125 pounds. But it's still, you know, it's a little bit of a downer for him, right? Um, He's about to turn 38 in in literally a a few weeks here. So in that way, you're going to edge Rodriguez, but... Rodriguez is hittable, man, and it's not like the reach is a huge difference. There's a big height difference here, but the reach is only one inch apart. Um, Josh Emmett, I think having a 70-inch reach to 71 for Yara Rodriguez. Yara Rodriguez had about a one- or two-inch reach on Max Holloway. Max Holloway was able to reach him at will. If Emmett can land 30 strikes as hard as Max Holloway landed hundreds of strikes, Emmett's probably going to win by knockout here. And on top of that, Emmett has the opportunity to go for takedowns. Um, look, if he consistently goes for takedowns and Yara keeps getting up, will it tire Emmett out? Yeah, probably. But Emmett's known for really good conditioning. He's been five rounds several times. And and I guess part of the question is, will he choose to go that route? And and the bottom line is that Yara Rodriguez was mounted by Max Holloway. Like, he has... He, he still is not the best from his back, and that's okay. Like, everybody has somewhat of a weakness unless you're you're somebody like Volkanovsky or Mahachev, right? Um... And Yair Rodriguez has that weakness, man. If 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 um, uh, Josh Emmett can end up on top, he could do some damage. Like like I don't know that his ground and pound is nearly as scary as, as his punch is standing, but it's still he has heavy hands. 
uh, he has some torque on those, and he's he's fairly fast. He's faster than he used to be, I would say, especially if you look at some of the footage of him training leading into this matchup. He looks in phenomenal shape. He looks extremely quick, and you have to be against Yair Rodriguez, who might be the fastest guy in this division. Um, I'm edging Rodriguez by a hair, and I don't blame you for making this pick at this point in the competition, of course, but I, I just feel like Josh Emmett has a decent shot of clocking him clean. But then we've also just seen Josh Emmett against really tough guys like Shane Burgos, like Dan Ige, Calvin Cater. And a lot of these, by the way, are very close competitive decisions that maybe shouldn't have gone his way. Super close decisions. Um, he tends to get them, though, right? A record of 18-2, and two, having spent as much time in the UFC as he has. 92 in the UFC, like, that's really impressive stuff. So uh, hard, to, hard to be confident in this one. And I, I'm not saying that you're totally confident, but, um, but I see this as a little bit of a closer matchup than you may. On paper, you're oh, I see it as a super close matchup, but there's only but he, there's just, only a couple yeah. of picks left. Yeah, I get that. I get that. I, I don't blame you one bit. Uh, next pick for me is going to be in the matchup between Luma Loma Lukbume and Elise Reed. Um, look, Reed is a good kickboxer. She is tough. She got upsets against Corey McKenna and Melissa Martinez, which is really good stuff, right? Like these are good strikers who she got upsets over, and Loma Lukbume happens to be a good striker. Loma is a, is a Muay Thai fighter. She has really good Thai throws and a decent takedown game overall for women's MMA, particularly at 115 pounds. Um, I got to go with Lugbume here. As much as Reed can do well at a distance, if Loma Lugbume gives her that distance, I think Lugbume's teeth kicks, uh, her throws, uh, her inside game, her clinch, all of that is going gonna, is gonna to come together for like a, like a pretty scrappy win in which it's like in which is fairly clear that she uh, has earned the decision so i've got loma lukbume to beat the upset-minded elise reed what's left to pick we have got josh kulabau versus melsek bagdasarian and we have shane young versus blake builder what you got i will make uh i will make an extremely uninformed pick of um Bagdasarian. Yeah, Bagdasarian's. Uh, so you're taking. Milsa Although he's well, he's he's an Armenian guy fighting out of Glendale, but I don't think he's with. Um, it says he's fighting out of Muay Thai America Gym. I don't in North Hollywood, which is where one of my favorite bars is. Um, I don't think he's with uh, Rhonda's old trainer. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not sure if he. Uh, I, I think he at least used to be. I'm not sure if he still is. I'm quickly going. I don't know if anyone is anymore because Shabazian not, is not. Man. Well, Shabazian, you know, made the decision for his career, and I don't know if his brother went with him, but you know, it's entirely possible, man. There's a real loyalty thing to this to this mixed martial arts game, and just looking at his Instagram, it's not clear. Uh, wait, wait, we have some footage here. Let me see. Uh, looks like Edmund trained with him 31 weeks ago. So, I mean, that has been a while, to be fair. Uh, look, this dude's talented. He's gritty. He's got, he's got some variables that some of those guys from that, from, you know, originally from Glendale, uh, from, from, from that gym have not shown. Uh, he's, he's got some grit. Uh, beat Bruno Souza, who's a, who's a pretty good fighter in his UFC debut, and it was like a competitive scrap, and he showed some really good attributes. Bruno Souza's no joke. He's a, he's a fairly talented guy. Um, I, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna disagree with you on the pick though. Josh Kulabau's so smooth. He's so slick. Man. I like got, Josh Kulabau. Yeah, he's got a lot more UFC experience, and he's a guy that doesn't look as fast and as as crafty as he is. But he really is, man. Like physically, looks like just some young kid that's coming up at the you know on his third week at the gym, where he's actually like a really skilled guy. And again, given his experience edge as well, uh, I'm gonna give Josh Kulabau a slight edge there. So so one disagreement. I think that 
That might be our first disagreement on this card. And no, then, we just uh, you, we we did, well we disagreed on the I thought on the main event. Um, well, like uh, like I'm giving yeah. us on the edge, I, but if I, I may switch a pick, couple. Yeah, I may switch a couple picks. I, it, it alluded me that that was a three-pointer, and I need the points, so we'll see. Yeah, um, fair enough. Um, and, and then we've got one more fight, which we can both kind of uh, uh, break down, and that'll be a replacement if any other fights pull out, uh, because we each at this point have six picks. The Shane Young versus Blake Builder matchup. Shane Young is like just an aggressive swarmer. He's a pressure fighter. Not the greatest takedown defense. Can be fragile against really good competition. And Builder's also aggressive standing, smooth on the ground, but not the best wrestling. Um, and he's kind of fragile. And I think like the lack of wrestling to put Shane Young on his back and, and the fragility is going to make for a bad night for him uh, in his UFC debut against a pretty experienced UFC fighter in Australia who you know who's a hometown guy. So I've got Shane Young imagining him in this one. Yeah, I spent hours and hours on this fight, pouring over tape, <laughs> flying around, where I had a costume, a disguise that I'd wear. Did you go to the gyms um, to and watch, watch them both to go train? To, yeah, watch them both train. <laughs> nice. So you went um, to city kickboxing and you spent more time on Shane Young than uh, than Volkanovski. Is that what you're telling me? Well, I just figured all those other guys would recognize me from sparring, and I didn't want, <laughs> Fair enough. Didn't want I that to that. happen. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I spent yeah, I so many, so many hours down there, like uh, teaching <laughs> all those guys my moves, my reverse inverted. Uh, like uh, chicken choker. Um, chicken choker. <laughs> so, anyway, I'm with you on the pick. Fair enough. It's um, that, that is Shane Young. Um, all right. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I am late for a meeting. All right. So, uh, Nikolai, um, a, a good one in the books. Looking forward to connecting on this next week. I hope you get to catch up on some points, buddy. Yeah, me too. Um, cool. I may... Yeah, I may... I may revise some of my picks, but I'll let you know. Like you, like you pulled that Derek Lewis thing. Did you? By the way, you did switch to Lewis, right? I did switch to Lewis just because it okay, became cool. a, a three-point opportunity. I still thought that he was going to lose, but I figured for three points, like it's worth a swing. Like we should talk about that later because if the odds changed later, you shouldn't be able to switch. Oh, that's right? that, that's that's reasonable in that case. I guess it didn't make the switch. <laughs> no, God it, damn it! It, it, it shouldn't. Yeah. It, it shouldn't. It shouldn't count as a point for me. But you're making a very fair point. If if the odds switch, we we, we should only factor in the it's odds. odds on. Yeah, it's odds on for picking. That's, that's fair. totally fair. Thank you, buddy. Looking forward to connecting next week. All right.